everyone. Welcome back to Mind the Millennial Gap. We are here with another episode for you, and we did make it back from our vacation in Oregon. We're back in our home state of Utah, ready to bring you another episode today. Uh, today, Gigi is the one that is in charge of leading our conversation with all of our items here. And so for those who are new to our podcast, because our podcast is relatively new, the concept is uh, myself, an older millennial, Gigi, a younger millennial. We take topics, we do some research. One of us does the research, the other of us does not know what was researched, any of the topical items there. And so I can't, uh, we kind of respond blind. So this week, uh, Jillian has our topic and ready to dive in. We are ready to dive in. All righty. So I wanted to give a little bit background on how this episode came to be. Um, Chris and I actually have a board meeting for this podcast every month where we kind of talk about what we're going to talk about in the next four weeks. And this week was actually slated for millennials and the choice of having children. Um, that is something that we always planned on doing. But given the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, this kind of took on a whole other energy. And right now, right here, I wanted to state that we as a podcast and as individuals unequivocally support a woman's right to full bodily autonomy and will for sure be dressing, addressing this in that planned episode. Um, but right now... I honestly personally really needed something a little lighter this week. So we are completely switching topics and we are going to be talking about millennial pink. Um, when I told Chris that I was changing topics, he was like, oh, I don't know anything about this millennial pink. Chris, what are your, what are your guesses? What do you think millennial pink is? My brain has been racing because I have no clue what this is. I don't know if this is like a color that was in everyone's like painted room walls. I don't know if this is like makeup or like eye makeup or blush or whatever it is. I am absolutely lost and I feel a little embarrassed in front of what is now more than seven listeners. Thank you everyone <laughs> for who has, who has listened. We, we are like shocked. Yeah. Uh, with everyone who has listened, but you truly stumped me, Jeej. I have no clue what Millennial Pink is. Okay, well, I love the answers you gave. We're definitely bringing that into the discussion later. Um, and right now, Chris, I have pulled up what Millennial Pink is on the iPad. Will you open it up and kind of describe what you see? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just do, get it do, do, this, what I'm looking at for listeners, because I have to convey what this all is. A apparently, this is a, uh, what looks like a Pinterest board. There's, there's tiles on the screen. There's what looks like the exact same shade of pink in every single tile. It looks like uh, home aesthetics. Is it like pink for like a home aesthetic? Is that what this is? So partially. Um, you were, you were right on millennial pink is actually a color. Um, do you, now that you've seen this color, can you think of anything that you've seen that has this color in it? 
maybe not in the home setting like everything is shown here. <laughs> Pinterest might be a little skewed. I, I might not have the observational wherewithal to have noticed a distinct shade of pink in my life ever. Um, the only things I can think are pink or generally whatever shade of pink that are towards uh, female products, female toys, stuff like that, right? I am so happy we're having this conversation. You are straight on for this one. Okay. So millennial- straight, on, straight on because I'm just clueless? Because you're saying all the right things. Okay. Um, millennial pink is a color and it first started showing up kind of in mass around uh, 2012. And at that time, it was actually more like a toned down Barbie pink rather than this. So like, I think the color of this, my shorts, um, that I will post a picture of for everyone, um, then, then that color we know it today. A little less vibrant than Barbie pink, a little less blue, still very pink. Um, by 2016, millennial pink was everywhere. And it had made kind of that interesting shift from a Barbie pink to more of the color that you were seeing on Pinterest today. What color would you describe that as? Let me stop you right there. Yeah. Did anyone take credit for originating this color? Is this like Sherwin-Williams or yes. Lowe's or like a paint store? Please hold for that question. Oh, okay. Great, Sounds great. My, great My brain is racing because I need <laughs> answers. Uh, you asked me what the color looks like, yeah. right? Yeah. How would you describe it? Oh, it's very, it's like matte. It's light pink. Um, I would say, has anyone ever like maybe been to your grandma's house that had a house that wasn't maybe updated to the most uh, recent trends of a house and they might have had a pink tiled bathroom. It is that exact color if you can relate to that experience in your life. (laughs) I love, love the description. So this was a pink that started showing up everywhere. And if you're familiar with uh, the SNL skit of Stefan, I felt like this when I was writing down where millennial pink was because this pink is everywhere. Glossier's entire branding strategy, the book cover for Girl Boss, the Grand Budapest Hotel f- featured in the Wes Anderson movie, Drake's Hotline Bling album color, Zayn from One Direction's hair color from 2016, my hair every time I can get away with it, everyone's Tumblr page uh, that, that had kind of a dreamy pastel aesthetic and um, weirdly enough, yes, my, my childhood bedroom was this color. Can, can we cut this and at mention Bill Hader and see if he would take this on as a <laughs> Stefan bit? That was so freaking good. <laughs> I was waiting for some of the more offensive bits that Stefan has to put into no. his things, but that was that was spot on a person. Okay, thank you. Um, and then, Chris, one other thing that's millennial pink uh, is the house we live in. The more sun-bleached parts of the house are that beigey, salmony pink that is now known as millennial pink. Interesting. I, th- I thought it was a little bit more peachy. But again, I don't notice some of these <laughs> subtle details often. Okay, so to your question, where did this millennial pink come from? Um, it turns out that this pink has been around for a while. It is very similar to a color called Baker Miller pink. And this is a rabbit hole that I went so deep down yesterday. Uh, Baker Miller pink is a color that was part of a study in the 1970s where prison cells were painted this color. <gasps> I've heard about this. Yes. Do you, do you remember any of the story? Do you want to tell it? No, keep going. Okay. 
um, they found that the cells that were painted pink were linked with reduced aggressive tendencies among the inmates. And interestingly, a reduction in blood pressure as well. Uh, this, this study was a little contested later on when scientists couldn't duplicate it, but it's still pretty cool. Um, and in Japan, there's actually subway cars that are painted this color and they play like sweet little tones instead of announcing stops. And the whole purpose of it is to create a more peaceful ride for commuters. I thought that was very, very cool. I love that. Can we visit Japan? Yes, I would love to. I think that would just be so cool. Sushi, pink subways. Hello, kitty. <laughs> I am on board. Love it. Let's do it. So a, a quick aside, because you brought up prison colors. It reminded me of a short little story. Uh, my my father worked in a company that, that manufactured a product. And so there was a corporate side and uh, the corporate offices were attached to the manufacturing floor. And so you had a full spectrum of, of workers that worked at this particular location and they needed to paint some hallways and stuff. So some of these like uh, connecting corridors from like the corporate offices to the manufacturing floor and the warehouses and things like that. And they picked this minty green color. Ooh, sounds cute. And um, one day after it had been painted within like the first week, one of the managers from uh, the manufacturing side of the house came in and he's like, who decided to paint the halls this color? And everyone shrugs their shoulders. They they had no clue. And they're like, why? Why? What's 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 wrong? He was like, that's prison green. I don't know if you guys understand <laughs> that that is the color so many prisons are painted in the community I grew up in. That's very interesting. Did, did he elaborate any further? Does it have like soothing properties or anything? No, I'd probably had to go down that road. I I wouldn't be surprised if there are so many different reasons for why that color was picked. But I found that very interesting that different colors and different experiences line up to maybe along the lines of how like people have interacted in life and whether it's a color that reminds them of like good and fun and soothing or <laughs> I didn't prefer that color in that horrible like circumstance of my life, right? Very interesting. The whole science behind colors and emotions and what we tie them to is just absolutely fascinating. Um Back to Millennial Pink in the prisons. If you guys have seen Paddington 2, Paddington 2. I have not. Okay, it's it's adorable. If you're kind and polite, Paddington the world the bear, will be all right. right. Yes, For Paddington all the people bear. that lost like me. Okay, and got it. At some point, Paddington um, accidentally dyes everyone's uniforms pink. Millennial you Pink. Said Paddington accidentally dies, and I was like, this no, is a movie. No, Paddington <laughs> dies the clothes pink, and, and then the whole prison's a lot happier. So there you go. Life imitates art. What's Paddington um, doing in prison? He's it's, a teddy bear. It is a it is a story. You'll we'll have to watch it. Okay. It's darling. Okay. So back to Millennial Pink. Do do do. Um so Millennial Pink started showing up everywhere around 2012, 2016. Pantone, the color organization, named it one of their colors of the year. They called it Rose Quartz, but it's it, it is the same color as Millennial Pink. Chris, are you familiar at all with uh the Pantone color of the year? Not at all, but I did have the thought that there must be a lot of color plagiarism that exists in the world and that you can take exact same color, name it something else and claim it as your own. Is Pantone a board or a body that regulates 
who owns a color? No, Pantone is only a company, but they do have a numbering system similar to the hex system that is often referenced. Yeah, I'm familiar with the hex system. Yeah. So Pantone has their own system and is kind of looked at as, um, as color experts. And for the color of the year, they choose a color based on trends it sees in various industries. And this has happened since 1999. That color often bleeds into fashion and design and brands produce and sell colors or sell goods that are in that color. Um, It is sometimes criticized as being a little bit behind the times. As we see here, millennial pink has really been around since 2012. 2016 comes around. They're like, oh, maybe we should uh, call that the color of the year. Um, so for this, for most of this research, I am referencing two articles, uh, both from the cut. The first one is why millennial pink refuses to go away by Lauren Schwartzberg. And then the second is the tyranny of Terrazzo. Will the millennial aesthetic ever end by Molly Fisher? Um, and in that article, one of those, the first article, they reference this quote by the cut editor at large, Amy LaRocca. And she points out that when Pantone names something the color of the year, we often expect to see goods of that in that color on shelves the following year, but we don't expect it to invade our consciousness like millennial pink has. Um, as a self-proclaimed pink girl, I am all for the invasion of millennial pink on everything, every time. I originally just intended this episode to be like, millennial pink, it's everywhere, that's cool. But then I reached out to my friend, um, who I didn't actually ask permission to use his name, so we're going to call him Bevan Salamander, about it. Um, Did we (laughs) get this name from a random name generator? (laughs) No, it it actually rhymes with his name, so... Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Um, He's an industrial designer, and my very favorite memory of him is driving home from tacos one night and just talking about colors with him. It was very interesting. And so I just asked him, kind of off the cuff, like, what? how do you feel about Millennial Pink? And his answer... So he knew what it was. Of course he did. Of course he did. He's what, an industrial what, what, like, designer. How do you even <laughs> sit there and be like, of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> Maybe this is just part of the gap. I don't know. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, so I asked him, how do you feel about millennial pink? And here's his answer, paraphrased a little bit. Uh, he said, there's not really such thing as a bad color, just colors that aren't used in the best way or that have the bad or that have bad connotations. Millennial pink got way overused on things where people tied it to overall pri- or overly priced status symbols. Um, but he said it did look good on mid-century modern furniture. And I quote, this is what changed it all for me, helped redefine gendering of mainstream colors. So I just stopped in my tracks right there and I was like, excuse me, what? He said this to you verbatim or did he text it to you? How did you capture that large of a quote from a conversation? It was Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. if you must know. <laughs> I, I heard I was on the way home from tacos. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. That, two different conversations Oh, there. okay. <laughs> okay. So that just changed everything to me. I was like, it helped redefine gendering of mainstream colors. So Chris, earlier when you were talking about pink, you talked about it being associated with makeup, really girly things, right? Yeah, but pink has somehow gotten into the male aesthetic a little bit if you uh, enjoy like that particular style. 
it seems. I, I think I see pink uh, show up in like formal business wear. So sometimes you can wear a pink shirt with a, a matching suit. I've seen pink polos, pink like button up, like loose shirts or, or the ever present pink shorts. Yes. And some of these trends are more associated with kind of the preppy Southern wear. Um, but pink is still mainly held on to kind of its origins as like kind of spacey or ditzy. You were kind of a dumb girl if you were older and you liked pink. Like think of Elle Woods in um, Legally Blonde. Like her whole character is just dressed in pink with that like cute little pink pen on it. And, and her whole characterization is, oh, she's not. How would a girl like this go to Harvard Business School? And she does. And she slays. Um, yeah. So but now here. In the year of our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift, 2020, 2012 through 2022, where we are now, that is not how we think about pink. You're right. We're starting to see pink everywhere. Um, and particularly these shades of millennial pink. Pink isn't just for little girls or women with their heads in their clouds anymore. Pink is for the hot new restaurant, tech companies, the runway, and it's not just for the girlies. Um, millennial aesthetics are starting to reflect the statistic that 50 plus percent of millennials believe gender exists on a spectrum rather than as a binary. Um, the stat was from 2017. I couldn't find anything more up to date. So that number may have changed a little bit, but that's where we sat at 2017. Like we, we can accept that, right? Yeah. And I would argue that the world has even become a little bit more broader minded since 2017. Interesting. Um, so, and Lauren Schwartzberg, who wrote the first article I mentioned, called Millennial Pink the millennials' genderless mascot. Um, there is just more gender fluidity in how we show up. Debbie Millman, the host of Design Matters and the chair of the master's program in branding at the School of Visual Arts, said, Pink hasn't traditionally worked across genders, but it fit right in there with the man bun and the man bags where we're seeing kind of trends lean now. Um, this fluidity is like never be before. Pink has a history of being such a polarizing color relegated to Barbies and bubblegum, and that's changing for political reasons as opposed to aesthetic ones. It's questioning gender ownership of a color, and that's very exciting. How do you think pink crossed the line into the, at least the middle of the spectrum, if not leaning into the, the, the male spectrum a little bit? So as we've talked before, um, my personal views is us as millennials are a little bit of a softer in a good way generation than everyone who goes before us. Um, softer in the way that we approach the world, that we approach each other. We're more accepting, more willing to learn, more willing to accept that things can change and uh, that, that the world around us is completely different and full of fascinating um, individuals and ideas and right and wrong is less binary and more kind of in that middle. So I think that reflects a lot of um, those ideals that millennials have on whole. So and I'm not saying every millennial wears pink. So you don't think that someone got tired of making black, white or blue clothes for, for men and they're like, yeah, just throw this to the wind. Let's see what happens. <laughs> because if you look in skateboard culture, um, I don't participate in skateboard culture, but I think it's really quite beautiful. Um, less traditional colors are often kind of thrown into designs and to clothing trends that come from uh, that particular culture. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. 
And I'm sure there is so much to look at there and kind of where this came from. Because Pink, also we're both, both Chris and I um, grew up in the South. And so we are familiar with kind of Southern, at least preppy culture from my end. Um, And Pink was a big part of growing up before kind of the 2012 aesthetic um, for the really preppy boys. So I, I don't think all of a sudden 2012 hit and now boys are wearing pink, but it is, it does pink seem to be. polos and swoopy bangs, baby. And swoopy bangs. <laughs> <laughs> and what are those shoes you can wear in water? Sperry's. Sperry's? And Sperry's. <laughs> I never had any of that stuff. <laughs> but very cool. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Chris, on millennial pink? Do you think it is just the color or do you think it does reflect us as a millennial generation and kind of that fluidity of gender, of ideas, of nothing belongs to anyone, embrace what you like? Figuratively, I can get behind that. Uh, as, as a color that defines a spanning generation, I think I have a hard time like latching, latching onto that. Like this whole conversation uh, takes me to like what were the prevalent colors like through my lifetime? Yeah, what were they? When I was young, I don't know. <laughs> Here we go. When I was really young, <laughs> when I was a child, like early early nineties, I remember the neon colors came out. Yeah, and neon colored everything. It was so freaking cool. <laughs> like everything was black background with neon color and it was almost replicating like the whole um visual of what neon lights kind of do but um i was a lucky enough kid or unlucky enough if you want to say it that way um but i felt lucky like as a kid i felt like really really cool uh my mom really liked to sew that's cool so as an adult i realized that she was saving money (laughs) now but she made me the coolest neon clothes for me to go to like kindergarten and first grade in and like that's like the biggest color I think that comes out to me so there's like there's colors there's icons and then I feel like a lot of just brand labeling uh happened as I kind of got through school Do do you you experienced Tommy Hilfiger as a phenomenon right I experienced it more as like an outlet store than I think I did in its heyday. Okay. I feel like at some point in my probably high school, early high school, everything had, you knew what a Tommy (laughs) Hilfiger symbol looked like, even if there wasn't lettering, even if there wasn't anything else, it was just that, that blue, white, and red kind of combination flag yeah i don't know how they took over the existing brands nautica polo he just came in and was like oh yeah i'm here too millennial fashion like the fashion that we experienced growing up and how different it is because you had jenko jeans that was not a thing by the time i was there but hollister was was like the only clothes (laughs) yeah i always wanted a pair of jenko jeans (laughs) you would have rocked them oh do you want one now i would have loved a pair okay awesome there's definitely and if when you had neons it that kind of bled into my time period too at least on um in my memory we had lisa frank who 
was the queen of neon, just neon everything. Um, and I, I think most millennials around my age, most people would remember kind of the absolute flooding of those neon animals on every like folder, binder, all your school supplies seem to have them. You can put posters on your wall. Please tell me there was a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. There was. There was. I was not allowed to have it because my school outlawed Trapper Keepers for some reason. But I had Lisa Frank, like folders, everything else you could get. If, and just an open binder. If the digital age did not come to the path that it uh, followed at this point, I think Trapper Keepers still would be around. And everyone would want cool. the coolest Trapper Keepers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for laptops, though. Thank you, laptops. <laughs> <laughs> still shout out to our Trapper Keepers. Awesome. All right. So that's really all I have on millennial pink. I'm, I'm really happy to see it as a trend. I think it's a beautiful color. And if, if we do want to say, hey, maybe this is a color of a generation, I think it's a little sign that we're moving towards a future with less labels and more open ranges for people to discover themselves. And I just want to end my section with a quote by Molly Fisher, who said, it's a pink that's sweet, even though it knows better. And something of the tension captured in that color, a placid surface, and a knowing attitude seems to mark the millennial generation at large. So just another quote for it, maybe being a millennial color. I'm very interested in what is still a very small listening base. <laughs> How many people even knew millennial existed? Yeah. And if they could stand behind the thought that it is like the color of a generation. Yeah. Guys, DM us. Let us know your thoughts if you have Strong ones, leave us a little voice recording. We would love to play it on the podcast. How could they leave us a voice recording? On, where, where are we at? On Instagram, you can DM a voice recording. Um, that is Mind the Millennial Gap on Instagram, Mind the Millennial Gap on TikTok, and Mind the Millennial Gap at gmail.com, which we do own if you want to send us an email. And one last thing. So Chris and I, as he mentioned at the very beginning, are just so thrilled with everyone who's been listening. The outreach has been awesome. Thank you, everyone who's been listening, who's been sending us um, feedback, who's just been like so supportive along the way. And so we're putting together a little um, thank you giveaway that we'll do some point in the future. We'll have to talk about this more. But the first item in it is a millennial pink Stanley Tumblr. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Trapper Keeper, and I was going to put in for that. <laughs> We have a millennial pink Stanley Tumblr. On the way, yes. I hope everyone knows what a Stanley Tumblr is. <laughs> if you if you don't, for the the few who might not have been exposed to it, what is that, Gigi? Oh, it's the best cup in the world. Um, if you go on Utah TikTok or Mom Talk, you will see them everywhere. They are these like forty four ounce insulated mugs with a handle on it and a little straw. And I am a cup girl too. Like I, we have just too many cups. Sorry. Um, but this is by far <laughs> my favorite cup. It keeps your cold things cold. I haven't put warm things in there, but I'm sure it keeps them warm too. Um, I have a cutie little green one that I love. Cannot go hard enough for the Stanley Cup. And seriously, if you follow anyone on Utah, you've probably seen them. They're the big tumblers everyone carries around. So it's not necessarily a, a status symbol, but it's almost like a, a, a token of you're in a club. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, but they're also really great cups. Like they fit in your 
car seat holder. They're did, just great. <laughs> did Kate Kennedy do a whole episode on Stanley Cups? Oh, or did she just mention it in an episode? Okay, for those of you who are unaware of Kate Kennedy, she shout is... Out Kate. Shout out Kate always. She's the host of Be There in Five. It's a wonderful podcast. It is... <sighs> the best thing about some of my weeks is getting to listen to her. She is just a joy and a love. Um, and so cannot plug her podcast enough. She she is very much into zeitgeisty um, things and kind of does skew a little bit more millennial as she's in that age range. Uh, she is fascinated by Utah culture <laughs> and did do did mention a Stanley cup on an episode and, and got one from a follower. Um, and she did say she wasn't to the cup culture now. So fully bought in, fully bought in. <laughs> can we get two? can we send her a millennial pink one? I'm sure we can. I'll look for the next restock. They sell out in like hours. So you have to be, you have to be on your game to get one. Awesome. Well, millennial pink, I'm going to go pink. find some token item that's millennial pink to put in the house. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it sounds so good. Alrighty. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, and thanks for letting us have a little bit of a lighter episode in the middle of these times. We really appreciate everything everyone's been saying and doing for us. Um, yeah, and absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for letting us try to figure out how to podcast yeah. while you, you all listen, <laughs> but we do appreciate the support of our friends or the, the friends of our friends or even people we don't know. We, we'd love to have anyone who will have us. Definitely. And shout out, um, the sound quality I'm sure you've noticed this week is a lot better. And that is thanks to a man that is shaking his head over there right now, Mr. Ace Mead. Um, we mentioned him last week as the smartest person in the world, the former accountant, and now the Salesforce admin. So shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate Look him. Look at us. We're technical. <laughs> we got people that volunteer their time now as interns. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thanks for all the feedback on not being able to hear um, my mic and hopefully this week is much better. Absolutely. Awesome. Millennial Pink episode done. Thanks <laughs> everyone for listening. We'll catch up with y'all next week with a brand new topic. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.